Hi, I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But somewhere between college and the real world, I miss the memo on what I could be reading as an adult. For years, I've thought of adult fiction as this book's secret that everyone was in on but me. I decided to change that by focusing on fiction for a year and choosing books based on a specific genre or theme for each month. This is Season 1, Episode 4 of Reading Like an Adult, and we're going to talk about fantasy. To open up my fiction reading life, I needed to restrict myself. Let me explain. As I've talked about in previous episodes, I collected a very long-to-be-read list of possible adult fiction titles before I really dove in and started reading, using the framework of reading books from a specific genre for each month of the year. Why didn't I just go book by book down the list instead? I can't speak for other readers, but for me specifically, the random approach of, oh, I'll try this literary fiction read, and then I'll see if I like this mystery, and then I'll pick up this glossy chiclet that looks fun, just didn't work for me. There was always another, shinier book that seemed like the thing I should be reading. I needed a way to be able to compare books within the same genre so I could know what to look for in the future. For instance, limiting myself to fantasy books for this month freed me up to focus only on fantasy, so I could see if it's a genre that works for me. While of course each book and each reading experience is unique, giving myself a book genre let me get a little closer to an apples-to-apples comparison and kept me from being overwhelmed by the flood of books I could potentially be reading. Fantasy is kind of a loaded genre for me because I loved, loved fantasy when I was growing up. I started with E. Nesbitt's Five Children and It, which I highly recommend, no matter your age. I read as many of E. Nesbitt's books as I could find in print, and I moved on to Edward Eager, Gail Carson Levine, Sharon Shin, Patricia Reed, Cornelia Funk, Susan Cooper. From around the time I was maybe eight to around age 15, I was continually looking for my next fantasy series to devour. Which is why I still don't understand why my love of fantasy didn't come with me to adulthood. Maybe you've experienced a change like this in your own reading life. You can't explain why or how the switch flipped, but all of a sudden you stop loving and searching for a certain type of book, or out of nowhere, you realize you really want to read a certain type of book. Partly because I loved fantasy so much as a kid, it's a genre I've tried to give a second chance to, even before I made my long adult fiction reading list. I've realized one tweak to my approach that helps. As a rule, I need a standalone book. For whatever reason, trying to get myself to read a long-running fantasy series isn't going to happen right now. Maybe someday it will, and that would be great. But for my current reading life, I need standalone fantasy reads where the story is captured in one book. Spoiler alert, a month of reading fantasy didn't get me hooked on the genre again. But even though fantasy isn't my thing as an adult, I learned a lot about my reading life and how I approach stories from trying it out. Last year, I dipped back into the fantasy genre here and there. I reread a book that I had loved as a teenager. The Shape Changer's Wife by Sharon Shin. It's adult fiction, but a good bridge book in between the magical adventures of the children's books I loved and the more character-driven stories that embody the adult fantasy genre. For the record, I still loved this book, which was a big relief because it's one of my go-to books to recommend to people. 
Side note, please tell me I'm not the only person who is continually reading yet can't think of a specific book when asked for recommendations and has, over the years, collected two or three titles to automatically list when someone asks you to name a good book right on the spot. Another book that I read last year in my attempt to fall in love with fantasy as a genre again was Vicious by V.E. Schwab. It's not easy to talk about this book because it wasn't quite the right fit for me, but it was incredibly well-crafted and driven by intriguing characters and a unique plot. I actually recommended it in my newsletter last Halloween, because even though it wasn't a perfect book for me, I knew it could be a great fit for someone else. In Vicious, Victor and Eli are two college students who don't mind changing themselves in order to change the world. Their insane plan to make themselves into superheroes, using Eli's research into near-death experiences, starts a dark sequence of adventures that calls the very definition of hero and villain into question. My difficulty with loving the book is tied to part of what makes it stand out. Schwab is asking and answering the question, could you write a book without a clear hero? The tension of Vicious is fueled in part by the lack of a heroes versus villains traditional structure. It's very much adult fantasy because it explores the gray, wrapping up intriguing questions about humanity and morality in a dark fantasy adventure. The first book we'll talk about for my recent month of fantasy is The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. You've probably seen this book on a recommendation list or two. It has a gorgeous cover of a golden door handle surrounded by flowers. Ten Thousand Doors mingles historical fiction and fantasy elements for the tale of January Scholar, a young woman growing up around the turn of the century in a mansion owned by a wealthy curiosities collector. Like the artifacts stolen from other lands to be kept behind glass, she is something for people to stare at. Books are a way for January to escape her boring, isolated existence until she finds the power of words that can become doors, and a story that is both an explanation for her unique existence and the push she needs to decide her own fate. I didn't love The Ten Thousand Doors of January, but I don't think that's something that should reflect on the book itself. I was simply discovering that this kind of adult fantasy isn't the best fit for me right now. It's a beautifully written book with lyrical prose that gives it the graceful, introspective feel of literary fiction. Harrow's craft and love of writing and words are evident throughout. It's a story with thoughtful structure, satisfying character development, and balanced elements. Historical fiction, fantasy, coming of age. If it sounds like the book for you, please give it a try. One curious thing about reading Ten Thousand Doors was noticing its similarities to Aaron Morgenstern's The Starless Sea, which I read last year. Both books were published in 2019. Both Ten Thousand Doors and The Starless Sea are books about books, stories about words and stories as doors to other worlds. They both feature a love story involving people who meet because doors between those worlds open. These two books and their parallels put me in mind of Elizabeth Gilbert's thoughts on creative muses and ideas floating around the atmosphere. It's a whimsical notion, yes, but how else do you explain two books coming out in the same year both giving us stories about stories and reminding us to look for doors that may or may not lead to other worlds. For all the things they have in common, Ten Thousand Doors and The Starless Sea are completely different in style, pacing, plot, and characters. 
For what it's worth, The Starless Sea was more my kind of book, because it's written like a series of fairy tales that eventually all weave together into one story, but its main narrative is grounded in the modern day. If you like a focused narrative, and or if you're into historical fiction, pick up 10,000 Doors. I think I struggled with the latter because it was too much of a stretch for me to be reading both historical fiction and fantasy, two genres I don't tend to reach for at the same time. If you're not sure and both books sound intriguing, put both of them on your list. They're still completely different stories despite their shared themes. Nonfiction and fiction can both show us the world as it is, but it's only in the latter that we can play with the kind of fairy tale structure that promises a happy ending. I'm realizing more and more that nonfiction is where I want to stretch myself and learn from difficulty, but I seek comfort in my fiction. Even if the characters are going through something that's emotionally hard, I want a sense of safety. I want to know everything will work out in the end, and I tend to resist stories where people are physically in danger or experience violence. Physical danger was one of the things I struggled with in 10,000 Doors, and it's also definitely a big element in Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. In Ninth House, Yale student Alex Stern knows that she doesn't really belong. She's only at the prestigious school because she can see things that normal people can't. But even though Yale is supposed to be her second chance at a regular life, being given a place there thanks to the ancient secret societies that control Yale and, in turn, much of the world, comes at a cost. Ninth House is a well-crafted example of adult fantasy. It has some intense character development, and it's grounded in an often heartbreakingly believable reality. For the kind of reader I am, Ninth House is probably too much for me. I'd like to be a reader who finds catharsis in fictional stories where people go through tough and violent circumstances and survive them, but I'm not in that place right now. But don't let that stop you from picking it up if it sounds like a good fit for you. This takes us to Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Kowal, the book from my fantasy month that I devoured in a few days. An homage to Jane Austen, this delightful fantasy read features a world in the same time period and with the same social rituals and niceties as Pride and Prejudice, except with a type of magic. Jane Ellsworth knows she isn't considered a beauty in her social circles. Her standout gift is her talent for manipulating glamour, the strands of magic in the atmosphere that can be pulled and moved and woven together to create beautiful or startling magical illusions. You can think of it the way ladies of the time were encouraged to be accomplished and play the piano or sing to entertain visitors. As an Austen fan, I think Kowal really nailed not only an elegant writing style that honors Austens, but also a believable perspective for her heroine, Jane, making her an interesting force without taking her out of her own time period. This is obviously a book for adult readers who have already read Emma more than once and want more, but I think it's also a great bridge book to give to someone who wants to read Austen but feels intimidated by the classics. In my month of reading adult fantasy, I realized that there's a big difference between the magical adventures I loved in middle school and junior high and the contemporary adult reads I was trying on for size. Children's books don't typically spend a lot of time on setup, deep character development, tangled plots, jumps forward and backward in timeline. The Pevensey children go through the wardrobe and are immediately transported into Narnia. 
Yes, they grow along the way, but there's not a lot of waiting around and thinking. I know I'm making a sweeping generalization here, but I miss that dive into magical adventures with the books I loved as a kid. Adult fantasy seems to involve so much more setup, so much more character development, and more mythology. That being said, I think my 11 or 12 year old self would have been the right age to love The 10,000 Doors of January. It is very much an adult read and treatment, but content-wise, I would have been able to handle it, and anything I didn't understand would have been something to grow into. I was obsessed with both fantasy and historical fiction when I was growing up, and I was already someone always watching for doors that lead to other worlds, so I would have loved January. I also would have felt a kinship with January that I didn't encounter in my childhood books, because people didn't write books about biracial characters back then. I'm glad they're here now for new generations to grow up with. All of my favorite characters were white, and I never questioned it because it's the way things were. I loved, loved spending time with Alice, Dorothy, Anne Shirley, the March sisters, the Pevensey siblings, the treasure seekers, Cinderella, Snow White, the Goose Girl. I'm not here to disown those stories, only to say that I'm glad the canon has expanded and grown richer since I was a child, and that if I could go back and give my younger in-between self this book about an in-between girl, I would. My reading inspiration for this episode is simple. Find concrete ways to make reading your default. One straightforward concrete thing that I do to make sure I keep reading is to always have what I'm reading next on my Kindle selected and at the ready. I'm not able to go to my physical library location right now, so ebooks or my library overdrive have been an extra important resource. Whenever I download my next Kindle book to read, I immediately connect my Kindle to Wi-Fi to download it, make sure it syncs, and then I find the book on the menu and select. The next time I turn on my Kindle because I have a few extra minutes to read, the first page of the book is there and I'm ready to go. I know if I don't take those couple of minutes to set myself up for reading now, I'll lose valuable reading time later. Thanks for listening. The books mentioned in this episode were Five Children and It by Ian Nesbitt, The Shape Changer's Wife by Sharon Shin, Vicious by V. E. Schwab, The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow, The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, and Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Kowal. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordan Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, we're going to change things up a bit to talk about short stories and the strange and wonderful ideas that contemporary authors are exploring in modern collections. I can't wait.